We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg, a savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Side steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still in his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host and partner in crime, Michael Stewart, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back, Michael Michael Stewart. And I, I bet you, I bet you he has lots of words to say about that defense from yesterday, especially two interceptions from Jordan Fuller. Hmm. Music to our ears. Mike, how you doing? Yes. 
Yeah, I'm doing great, DC and folks. Uh, man, just uh, excited about this uh, podcast for today. And obviously, this week's a Thanksgiving. We, in spite of everything that's going on, got a lot to still be thankful for. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody who is checking out our show. And man, what a, uh, what a way to, cir- to celebrate Turkey Day. 27-24 Rams win over Tampa Bay on the primetime. In those bone uniforms, we can discuss those bone uniforms all we want, but at least we know they can win them things. Lots <laughs> of things, Mike. Oh my gosh. Lots of news from last night in terms of things to look at. Lots of conversations to be had, but I guess first things first, what were your impressions of the game? Well, you know, you were concerned, and I think we both were a little concerned with the back-and-forth cross-country trips, uh, another one to the East Coast. And so uh, I thought there would be a little bit more of a negative, but with the weather being somewhat uh, familiar and good, it, it seemed like it leveled the playing field a little bit. And, uh, man, I was uh, very pleased with just getting out of there with a win. Anytime you can do that, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty pleased overall with the performance. I was actually very happy with Jared Goff's performance. The winter reception there was, was pretty bad. But overall, you know, that's going to happen. Human beings are human beings. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to have a hard time once in a while. But his overall performance in a game where the Rams threw the ball a ton. Good Lord, they threw the ball a ton. Over, I mean, I'll take it. Yeah, one interception was bad. The other one wasn't too bad. Three touchdowns, 366 yards, 3951 passing. I'll I'll take that. I mean, I don't know how you thought about his performance overall. Though, I mean, again, the one interception to me was pretty off. The one wasn't wasn't nearly as bad as, as the first one. But what'd you take from Jared Goff? Well, uh, you know, I think it was uh, an adequate win. I, I still think that. There's just some throws he's not making that should be second nature at this point in time. Uh, we had a deep kind of square in on, on a route, and it's like, just do it. And, and, and you know, as you noted, the one interception, especially off that screen, it's like you never can throw the ball late inside when the running back typically is screen outside. So I don't know if he was trying to throw it away and just threw it to the guy or, or what, but it just seems like things like that. Uh, he should be a little bit more advanced in. But overall, I mean, again, did he do anything to really kill us? No. Uh, But the thing is, you don't want to take wins as if, hey, that's not a win and we got a lot of positives. You also have to just kind of break down where we're actually still, you know, falling short. And I'll just throw that term out again. You know, seems a little bit of fool's gold, but you know, win is a win, the more you can get, but you want to see some improvement. And so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about all of that. The only thing is it's kind of hard to say fool's goal when they've beaten the NFC West leader, Seattle Seahawks, in one week, and then next they go down to Tampa Bay, who was coming in at 7-3, and three, and beat them on the road. I'm not sure if, that, if that's an accurate thing to say fool's goal. Are, are, or are you saying it's fool's goal as, as they're not as good as we would like them to be? Which way are well, you trying to find this? Yeah, it's more of that. They definitely showed that they show up and uh, Coach McVay and those guys are ready when we're playing, you know, our NFC opponents. Uh, but when you're talking about playoff football and the things that you're going to need to do to win playoff games, that's more or less what I'm saying, a little bit of fool's gold. So there's a lot to prove yet. I think the Rams, 
I mean, it tell me if you think I'm wrong. From what I gathered last night, Tampa Bay came out with a game plan that was perfect for the Rams to pick apart in the passing game, playing a lot of zone, giving Jared Goff a lot of areas to hit as they're trying to hit. They're trying to blitz. They're trying to push up front and blitz, blitz, blitz. But the Rams' pass protection was pretty solid. Joe Noteboom, nice performance coming in for Whitworth. I felt, shall I say, at least moderately nervous, if not more nervous, with him taking over and did fine. But with that pressure, facing his zone, the Rams just kept going and going and going. And I'm wondering, Mike, if the reason why we didn't see that running game established against Tampa Bay was the Rams saw a hole and they kept, at least the first half and much the second half, they just kept going with what worked with what the Buccaneers gave them. And that was the passing game. They just stuck in that zone for much of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I'm on record that, you know, you have a game plan and sometimes you go into it, you execute it on both sides of the ball kicking game as you planned it out. There are other games when I say go with what's working, you know, regardless of what game plan is. And I know, you know, we got to get back to the run. OK, what's the point? We can't run today. We'll throw it. Or, hey, man, we can't throw it today. Let's run it. So you go with what's working. The object of any game at the end of the day, you want to come out with more points than the opponent. I mean, normally I think we'd be pretty critical. And and the running game does concern me. There wasn't a whole lot of – there wasn't much in terms of holes in the game yesterday. But I can say this. Tampa Bay clearly had in their head they're going to make Jared Goff win this game in the air. And it just blows my mind that they did it in a way where they gave him the zone. So they're going to focus on shutting down the run. They're going to give him the zone. I, I just don't see how that works. Jared Goff, there was a, there was a throw in this game for his for the couple of bad throws he made. There was a throw in the game where he rolled out to his right and delivered this perfect ball to Cooper Cup as he was going out of bounds. Bam, right there. Just, just roll out to his right. On the dime. This is what I've been saying over the years. Jared Goff, in certain throws he makes, they're elite throws. He he is going to the sideline, intermediate routes. There really isn't anybody better in the NFL, in my opinion. There are some there are people who are close, but there's nobody better. And where he gets in trouble is in the middle of the field. His interception directly in the middle of the field. Why was he just? Why is he going there? Why? I don't know. But. Where he was, Mike, I just felt like they just gave him. They, I don't know if they were banking on the pass rush getting to him. I don't know if they were banking on forcing him to make more mistakes across the field. He made a couple, but they didn't do enough to really change the game. Yeah, true. And and what happens is you got to look at this thing from it's a whole team effort. Uh it's maybe a different game if Tampa Bay's not turning the ball over as they were and those errant throws of what happened with golf actually turned into major points or major swings in momentum. Yeah, but because the game was going kind of back and forth, hey, we got a turnover, you got a turnover, you got a turnover, we got a turnover. Okay, we're even on a turnover game. So in that sense, it ended up working but absolutely it looks like no doubt they were saying well we're going to make Jared Goff beat us throwing the ball we figure we can either get home on the rush or he's going to throw us the ball 
But to your point, all these quarterback coach gurus, offensive coordinators, whatever you want to label them as, and us as coaches, you always have to try to do what's in the best interest of what does your guy do best? Let's just do that. Yeah, conventional wisdom may say drop back quarterback, do this route, do that route, run these plays. Yeah, conventional wisdom, but I think we can easily see if you look just on the other side of the ball, Tom Brady's just throwing more picks than like really ever in life, and it's like, why is that? Is it just because of his age? No, this dude is now, they're forcing him to try to throw downfield. That's not his game. His game is the intermediate crossing route, in and out, short out, quickie in. That's his. That's that's where he makes his money, not throwing deep. But they're like, hey man, we need you to throw a deep. Okay, throw a deep, and it's inconsistent on the play. So having said all that, I, I think uh, and Colin Coward noted it on on his show today as far as uh, golf and rolling them out and sending guys in motion. Those are the things that somewhat play to uh, golf's strengths, and it seems like McVay, at least last night, he was playing more to his strengths in China instead of trying to just force something that's not working. I mean, we've been preaching the running game all year, and be honest, that we know the Rams cannot make a deep run in the playoffs without a running game. But it was evident from the get-go to me that the Bucks were just not going to let them run the football last night. They were going to, if they were, they were willing to sacrifice something, and that was the passing game in an attempt to really force Goff into mistakes. And what blows my mind is Tampa Bay really didn't adjust all too much from the zone until later in the game. I mean, until much later. And at that point, the, the Rams had controlled much of the game, had controlled much of the time of possession. They basically were able to keep the short passing game, develop it really into a running game. And I, I just kind of blows my mind that it took that long for Todd Bowles down there in Tampa to make the adjustments necessary to to really kind of slow down the Rams' defense, the Rams' offense. Surprises me. Todd Bowles has been great this year for the for the Bucks overall, and that one kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, well, again, but you got to think of it as well. Again, it's 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 both sides of the ball working with each other. If you keep giving, you know, because there was a stretch there in the second half that basically, you know, for six possessions, the Rams were either three and out or in a punt or a turnover. For six possessions, it was just like they just were doing some things that were doing. Uh, I just lost my train of thought, but they are just doing it's some things that the that random phone call threw you for a loop, man. This <laughs> you know, phone call, phone call like what is going on there, right? You would think I was at work today, but nevertheless, what happens is. When you're playing defense, you may have something you feel like you're stopping them. But if you have to keep going back out there, eventually that offense you're playing, they're going to get something on you. So uh, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, Coach Bowles, and again, I'm not uh, Coach Bowles homer, but he had them in a position where, you know, Tampa Bay had a chance to come down and, you know, we forced them in. To another interception, which again, you know, this Fuller kid, say what you want. That dude attracts the ball. He makes plays. And uh, hey, man, I don't, I don't know if Taylor Rapp is going to be in the mix after after this. But anyway, that's something else. 
<laughs> I, mean, I think they have plans for him. I think having all three of those guys back in the lineup would make a huge, huge difference. I mean, Taylor Rapp was playing pretty well when he went down. Like I want, I don't want to. He he come along to say that he had finally adjusted to where he was, and he was definitely an asset in the defense. But you know, looking at the Rams' defense right now, they held Tom Brady and his opponent, Tom Brady, to two hundred fifty-one total yards. 42 yards rushing. 42. Leonard Fournette, 2.4 carry. Ronald Jones, the second, 2.4 carry. Tom Brady, two interceptions, 216 yards. And Tom Brady didn't look good. For as much as we like to talk about how he's the you know best in history, the Rams have made quarterback after quarterback this year look average. And Russell Wilson... They had him run for his life last week. So, yes, he did. I, I mean, this defense is legit. And I, what I find amazing is, on paper, this defense is not as talented last year, but they're playing better as a unit. And sometimes that's just what it means. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's Staley or if it's the personnel or a little bit in between. Maybe you can tell me, but this defense is on it. Well, I mean, I think as we talked about earlier, there has to be somebody else in the defensive front who can make a play outside of Aaron Donald. And now we're starting to see Brockers is coming on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another young man got his first sack last night. So you're starting to see, at least at the front, other guys making plays for, I think, the first time this season. Uh, When I look at the overall stats here, where do we go? Let me get down here to my defensive guys. Uh, From the defensive side, you see more than uh, Micah Kaiser technically, you know, leading the pack. I mean, you got Brockers up there with six total. Troy Hill, you got Jalen Ramsey, a corner. John Johnson, obviously safety. And then Micah Kaiser. Whereas before it's like Micah Kaiser, 15 tackles and then someone else down there. And then only other person may show up is uh, Aaron Donald with a sack or, or a hurry. And so you're seeing a number of these other guys, Darius Williams, uh, Samson, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, and different guys that are showing up now defensively. Plus, we're now uh, a good part of the ways in the system that you really didn't get to put in in the off season, you know, guys seem to be getting better each each week at what they're doing, and you can see the confidence, and you can see the tighter coverage from the secondary. You can see guys again getting home in the rush game now, uh, making the team play one handed, which is what they did uh, Tom Brady last night. So, all that being said, it seems like defensively they're starting to understand what the coach and the system was designed to do. And we all know that defense usually catches on a little bit further down the road than the offense. So I think all those things are coming into play, which is great as you're now heading down the stretch. So my question then for you is where do the Rams go from here? They're now seven and three. They have the 49ers and the Cardinals the next two weeks. If they make it out of the stretch nine and three, I think they're in really good position to win the division. Can they afford to lose one? In your view, where are they in terms of the rest of the season schedule? Yeah, I think the rest of the season, to me, it's 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 what it is. Uh, I think they need two more wins and just 
call it being in the playoffs. And then I think that's what you worry about. Just get in and then wherever you get in, you're in. And then you zero in. You know, what I want to see is continued improvement. Again, we're seeing the defense starting to pick it up a little bit more. Uh, Now we kind of want to see the offense pick it up. But I think what's going to be a continued Achilles heel is this field goal kicker stuff. I mean, we got to get somebody in here. I mean, I'm glad the guy last night, but it's almost like we're hoping that we don't have to kick a game when he field goal. We just got the guy there to kick off and just make PATs because, man, you know, we picked up a guy who got released from Tampa Bay. He got released for some reason, and now he's kicking for us. And then we miss another one, and it's like, okay. So that's what I think may be Achilles' heel down the stretch is if we're in one of these games where it's raining, the field is sloppy, and, man, we need this, you know, 42-yard field goal at the end to win it, that seems to be where, man, I'm not – I'm really nervous about. Uh, Special teams has had me nervous as well. They cannot seem to find the right guy, the right fit there kicking-wise. And even Matt Gay with the kicks he made last night didn't exactly inspire confidence. But – I hope that changes. He does seem at least to be the most composed of the guys we've seen take the field this year for the Rams and kicker. But true. He definitely, definitely looks like a, a veteran kicker. You know, I've been there. I've done that. Uh, But again, are these technically pressure kicks to make that? Hey man, this is the game we need to make it into the playoffs. That's a different pressure kick than, hey, man, I just got signed off the street this week. Are they expecting me to go 100%? Ah, probably not, but I'm way better than the guys they've had. So it's that kind of like, okay, that could be true. But we're going to need for sure when you get down to the thick of things, maybe seeding for playoffs or now we're in the playoffs you want to be confident that if we got to go win a game nine to six and we need to get three field goals, we got to be able to get those. And that's how it needs to happen. I mean, I like, I don't like our schedule in terms of what there is. I do like the fact that the Rams seem to be able to stand in with all of them. There, there's nobody on the schedule that scares me. And I think, okay, we can't beat them. Even the 49ers, I think we're built to beat them. The Forens have enough problems right now that they're probably getting a good time. What I mean overall is there is no game I, I think the Rams won't be in the rest of the way. They really honestly control much of their own destiny down the rest of the schedule. Much of it. Not all of it. The Saints kind of have things locked in for the number one seed, but if they, if they can get a couple breaks, the Rams could be a team that's not 7-3 you know, in terms of two games behind, that could be a team that's twelve and four at the end, and maybe just maybe locking in that number one seed. The Saints have the uh, the advantage right now, but you know Drew Brees is out, and Taysom Hill was okay; he was solid out there for the Saints. But the Saints have a habit of kind of at the end of seasons falling back a little bit the last couple of years. So I just. Nothing's over yet for the Rams. Knock on wood when I say that because then they can go out this weekend and lay an A. 
Yeah, but you know, when you look at the schedule, you got Frisco home. You go to Arizona. Again, you're not going across country. You're going an hour or two across the state line, uh, if you will. You got New England at home. You got the Jets at home. Obviously, going to Seattle, different. They don't got the 12th man with the crowd. Uh, it's still on your Pacific Coast time zone. So, again, it's not like going back east. And then you play Arizona again at home. So, if you just look at that, you got one, two, three, four games at home, three, two on the road. But technically, it's not like you're going days away. So in Arizona, good weather should be there. So though you're playing away, kind of playing at home. And so when you just look at the schedule, man, we should be one, two, three, four, five, six. Man, we could be easily five and one down the stretch, four and two at the worst. So I mean, that's that's 12 and four, 11 and five. You know what I mean? I mean, this is a team that I thought was nine and seven this year, and they're not going to be nine and seven. I don't see them winning only two games the rest of the year. Ten and six, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So as they're continuing to put the wins in, and I think we would agree, it. You would. I'm going to say I would. I'm saying they're not really hitting on all cylinders. It looks like offensively they're still trying to find their way. Obviously, defense is starting to play more consistent and better. And so you want to see that can, and improve. But to say that we're hitting in all three phases of the game, there's no way you can say that with confidence. I'm looking down the line for the Rams and thinking they're only going to get better if they can stay reasonably healthy. This still yes. is a, a very young team. I yes. worry about the running game. I worry about the things that they need to improve on, but this defense keeps them in every game now. I mean, this is not the same defense that last year got ran out the field like three times. It's a much more they they adjust so much better, honestly. You know, look, I mean, look what they did to Tom Brady last night. Right. Look what they did. I do have a question about Tom Brady. You've, you've watched this guy play it for a gajillion years. Yeah. yeah. And you know, he took some criticism online afterwards for not shaking Jared Goff's hands. As a matter of fact, avoiding Jared Goff and going right to the locker room. For years now, there's been this kind of undercurrent with Tom Brady about you know how he's not basically a good loser. Okay? A sore loser in some cases. Do you feel that's a fair approach or a fair thought, or do you think he's being uh, unjustly criticized? Well, I, I just think it depends. you got to figure... Uh, I'm going to say for myself, I was a guy, if we lost, it's like, man, or especially a game we had or a other team is chirping, yeah, I'm probably less likely to go over there and, hey, man, what's good? good you know, because if you don't like losing, you just don't even want to be bothered. But that was consistent. You know, I did that win or lose. So, uh because you're you're playing another team. I think with Tom Brady's stances, I think where he gets a knock, if they would have come back and won the game, he more likely than not would have been out there and shaking hands and doing that kind of stuff. But because he's the guy who threw the pick at the end, it's like he can't stomach, well, I'm the guy that actually caused us to lose more or less. 
And I think in those situations, he just like, man, I'm out of here. Let me go gather my thoughts because I know I'm going to have to answer these questions here in the next 15, 20 minutes or, or whatever it is after games. Uh, but my thing is, hey, man, you sore loser. So what? Go go in the locker room, cry, baby. Next time we'll beat you worse. So, uh, you know, it's sports. You would think that a guy that's had that long, definitely going to be a Hall of Famer, that at this point in time, when he was saying last year, almost as though he was doing the, as they say, retirement tour. Hey, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just trying to enjoy every second of the game. Well, now you're not in the same boat. If you were like that last year, you're a year older, but you're still not trying to enjoy it. Every... So those kind of things make you get suspect on Tom Brady when one hand he's like, hey, man, all American guy. The next hand is like, no, you're not. So then which one is the true Tom Brady? Probably both, man. I mean, the guy, I've never really viewed Tom Brady as an extremely classy guy. He's a competitor, and to me, he doesn't. He's never really taking taken losing um, to be the best thing. Now, he's a phenomenal quarterback, and he's won six Super Bowls. And to me, it seems really impossible that you would go to a completely different system, which is Tampa Bay system with Bruce Arians, and play as well as he has played this year. But I mean, in terms of behavior, he's never been a graceful loser. And it's kind of ridiculous. The team, this wasn't a poorly played game. The Rams just had a good game plan against him throughout the night. It isn't like the Rams robbed him of victory or anything. He robbed himself. He made a, a horrifyingly bad interception to put a cap on this thing. I mean, he's off all night deep. He's been off all season going deep. So, you know, Brady probably does deserve some criticism for his uh, poor sportsmanship last night. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, that last play, I mean, that should have been something he should have been easily able to read. They were playing what looked like a two-deep zone. They dropped down right off the snap into what we call a rob, Mm -hmm. safety short and a safety deep. But he still threw the ball as though he had a two-deep zone, which if he did, the offside safety would have still been on the far side of the field. And the guy pushing up outside that was on the the field, he threw the interception. uh, That safety now has to play two receivers over the top. But he should have, as soon as he saw the one safety drop down in the hole, he should have known they're more like in a three deep now, but he threw it as though they were still playing cover two, which is like, that's why it was so overthrown because technically that safety wouldn't even been there to try to make that play on it. And it just was right to him because he ended up being in the middle of the field. So I was more concerned with like, okay, Tom, you saw the safety drop down in the rob. Like, why would you even throw it there? You know? So again, Anyone that knows a little bit about the game probably is going to ask him that same question. So that being the case, he's like, man, I'm going to just get out of here and I'll deal with this at some point in time. But, you know, D.C., you bring up a good point because they will say, oh, you know, Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady was a six round pick and he grinded this and that. And he's just and so he comes off at these times as just being this super humble guy just wants to be one of those guys on the team 
but you've seen these different times when he's had outbursts on the sideline and just different things that he might say, and then he'll backtrack. And so I, I have to agree with you a little bit. Yeah, he's maybe not as gracious as he may try to come off to be. I mean, I don't really ever think he's been as gracious as he ever came off to be. You want gracious? <laughs> Peyton Manning was gracious. Yes. I mean, there have been some legendary gracious quarterbacks, and, and you cannot tell me that Peyton Manning was not as competitive as Tom Brady was. The dude, for years, um, did a lot of the same things Tom, and Tom Brady did with his contract to try and help the team. He was legitimately dominant and was willing to do whatever it took for a team to win, including taking a back seat in, the, in that Denver Super Bowl run. So I just don't see... If you were ever going to compare great quarterbacks, you know I, I never saw Peyton Manning behave that way. I never saw Brett Favre, for all of his flaws, did not behave that way. I just, you know, when you when you're beaten, you're beaten. Jared Goff outplayed him last night. Jared Goff was more accurate. Jared Goff made better decisions, even with the two interceptions. One of them was a really bad one. He outplayed him. Period. Was more accurate, led his team better. There's no better way for me to say it. So give the guy his credit, be a leader, and go shake his hand. Right, right, right. Because on the other hand, you would go, well, I'm an elder statesman in the league. Let me go, you know, at least tell the young buck, good game, keep up the good work. Because obviously, Jared Goff will be playing a lot longer than Brady's going to play at this point in time. So, uh, but quick question, man, what do you think about this whole, uh, tuck rule, slide of hand, uh, whatever it's called, because what do you think about the play when we basically had, uh, the, t- the, fumble. the fumble? Yeah. It was a fumble. Fumble, right? It was a fumble, but then again, I'm on the same. I'm on the same side that when the tuck originally happened in that Oakland game years and years ago, that that was a fumble too. Yeah, I've never, I've never ever gone away from that. I don't care if you're bringing the football back down or not. If the ball, if the if your arm isn't going forward to the point where um the actual arm is going forward, like in the fumble, he was taking his arm back. But it wasn't to the point where it was going forward yet. I just don't see how that's not a fumble. It was close, but you can't say it's a tuck rule. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Anytime, you know, I'm listening to Mike Pereira and other refs that come on, and they're like, well, you know, this is the rule, this and that. My position is, yeah, if it's a pass play, your arm is always eventually going to be coming forward. You know what I mean? But if your arm gets hit, it's a fumble. You know, in this case, it was literally he gets hit and then he's trying to throw it. Yeah, it looks like it slow motion. Yeah, eventually his arm is coming forward because he gets hit and he's still trying to do the the motion that he had planned to do because it was going to be a pass play. I'm like, guys, that's a fumble. Dude, is the ball's out of his hand. It got knocked out of his hand. Whatever you want to say, the the grip or whatever, it's it's a fumble. Stop, stop with all this, 
is is because you really the way that they're interpreting the rule to me, you will never really have a fumble if it's considered a pass play. That's my my thinking. So wait, hold on. Because considered a pass play, clarify that, please. Well, my point is, if you're dropping back, and we know like, hey, you're dropping back to throw a pass, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're dropping back, well, it's a pass play. So if someone gets by and like last night hits the ball out of your hand, but yet you're now still trying to act like you're throwing the ball, well, yeah, it's going to look like it's a pass. But it's not a pass because technically the ball gets knocked out of your hand before your arm really is coming forward, even though your arm eventually comes forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, but if the ball is coming forward in the act to pass the ball, even then I think it's a fumble until the ball itself is actually moving forward. Like if you are taking your arm back to throw, but it's not coming forward yet, it should not even be considered a forward pass. And so they have to watch that very carefully exactly. when they're reviewing it. But to me, he, his, his arm wasn't coming forward yet. He was, it was, he was dropping back. It was, he has arm prepped cocked, but he wasn't going anywhere yet. So I don't, right. it's a fumble. Right. So the ball gets, that's what I'm saying. The ball gets hits out of his hand and then it looks like, oh, well, he's trying to throw it. No, he's not trying to throw it. Well, it's he's, just his arm was in that position, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not really coming forward. The ball got literally knocked out of his hand before he even really thought about throwing it. But then it looks like his arm is moving forward after the fact when you, the ball just slips out your hand. So I'm like, come on, people. That's, that's a fumble all day long. So... I was like, man, this is a touchdown. And then they like, oh, no, the ball's coming. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So, I mean, honestly, you can't forget that quarterbacks are basically trained the moment they feel contact. They're trained to move their arms forward. They're trained, yes. to quote, unquote, to fall through. They know what that means if they've been hit. You know, yes. so, like, right. I don't understand how they did not. I just don't. <laughs> they not? How they not see that? It was close, but they reviewed it. Honestly, how did they not see it? I don't know. But it doesn't matter. They won. They right. won. But you know, a couple more things before we get out of here. Yes. And that is Tory Holt again, labeled a semifinalist for the uh, Hall of Fame. Um, that man is. We've made the case for him many times now on the show. I do not see how they can keep him out for much longer. Now, I know there's we had a couple of really strong classes coming up, a couple of really strong, um, you know, I'm talking about first-year classes coming up, including Peyton Manning's coming soon. But to remind everyone of how dominant Torrey Holt was in his prime. And I think honestly, if his knee doesn't give him problems toward the end there, he's probably probably plays four or five more years and it's not even a question mark anymore. During Tory Holt's prime, like he had a stretch literally 
nine years in a row. Nine. Sorry, eight. My bad. Eight years in a row of a thousand or more. Eight years in a row, a thousand or more. And during those eight years, he didn't catch less than 81 passes. And that's not just the greatest show on turf years. This is post-greatest show on turf. This is the beginning of the horrible years in 2007 and 2006 where, you know, he, at that point, he and Isaac Bruce were both, you know, especially Isaac Bruce, Isaac was getting up there in his age at that point. This is not the same team offensively, and he was still putting up numbers. Eight straight years, seven years, Pro Bowl. I mean, that's during an era of some of the best receivers in the league. How how long is it going to take for him to get the Hall of Fame? Yeah, man, it's, it's kind of crazy because even when you look down the stats, you're talking about in those years where they were subpar, he was up over 1,500 yards. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like he had 1,001 yards. No, 1696, 1635, 1363, 13, you know, 1372. So, I mean, he's legitimately over 1,000 yards. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I think this is what is is it his fourth year, Something third like that. year, Something like that. Third or fourth, but and I know they have a time, and it's it's just a matter of time, you would think. But when you talk about whatever the Hall of Fame requirements or what they vote on, he meets all of them. He was a consummate teammate. He was there. He has the stats. He was a difference maker. He's a pro bowl. I mean, I don't know what more that you need except to get the votes. So it's just, it, it, you know, we just got to keep making sure uh, his name stays up there. And, and the more, hopefully, media pressure, if you will, gets on some of these guys, uh, he gets in there. It's it's interesting too because the main comparison for him is going to be now Reggie Wayne from you know from played in the same era had some similar stats probably had more catches and and, and peak years 106 catches in in 2012 111 catches in 2010 100 catches in 2009 104 in 2007 but. You know, during those years, he was the guy. Whereas Torrey Holt basically shared with Isaac Bruce for a lot of his career. And now they'll yes. say, "Well, Marvin Harrison," but Marvin Harrison kind of burned out not too long after, um, after Reggie Wayne really kind of emerged. Take a look at Marvin Harrison real quick. Marvin Harrison, he he's done in two thousand eight, and. His key years were really okay. We know Marvin Harrison's career was my gosh. I, I looking at Marvin Harrison's career, how good was he? My gosh, nineteen ninety nine and two thousand six. His peak years, Reggie Wayne. His peak years for the Colts. I might have to take that back, dude. No, see, Reggie Wayne takes over in two thousand seven. He basically becomes so much of his biggest years of two thousand seven to two thousand twelve. Solid years leading up to 2004, 2005, 2006, but his best years were after basically Marvin kind of 
petered back, retired. That's his right. main competition as a receiver. But, I mean, they're pretty comparable. Well, they're comparable on only really two two situations. Uh, my thing is you got to lean Torrey Holt because you not only were sharing some of those peak years, greatest show on top, with another receiver, you also were sharing it with another running back. So you had a running game, not just passing. If we're truthful, Indy is known for the passing game because of Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. And you had a guy like Peyton Manning all those years. Oh, yeah. You know, I, that's I, a great I mean, point. I, I know where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. You know where I'm going? Mm-hmm. So you look at the Rams, you know, it became a little turnstile there at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. And you're still putting up numbers in different offense and different schemes. But if you had a Kurt Warner for 10 or 12 years in a row, hey, man, I'm sure these dudes would have numbers that could never be broken. But that you wasn't the case. You, and you just hit the nail on the head. He had Kurt Warner, Mark Bulger, who was a solid quarterback, by the way. But he, he wasn't Peyton Manning. He'll tell you that himself, you know. Um, he, you know, Keith Null. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. Those are the guys who are playing, who are throwing to Tory Holt. And, right. you know, but looking at the rest of this list, I think it's just overall what makes things hard for Tory is not just that, but look at the list this year. Peyton Manning's on this, li- on this list. This is his first year. Of the Calvin Johnson, I'm not even going to argue that. Calvin Johnson is. Right. A better, was a better receiver, period. I get that. Um, Charles Woodson on this list, Hall of Famer. I mean, how how would he not be? He was amazing as a, as a player, even though the, even right. though he went to Michigan. Patrick Willis, he didn't play very long, but he, during his great during his career, he was outstanding, one of the best. Jared Allen, yeah. um, Steve Tasker's on the list as, as a special teamer. Um, I, that's a different debate, I think, man. In right, terms of right. that's a different debate. Alan Fanica, Zach Thomas, Sam Mills is still uh-huh. on the list. I, I I'm sure you have thoughts on Mills. Um, Reggie Wayne, Richard Seymour, and then there's Tory Holt. That's the list. The top twelve per Adam Rank, who happened. You know Adam Rank for NFL.com. That's where he ranks the current ones eligible. Also Darren Woodson, Cornelius Bennett. You remember him. Leroy sure. Butler, remember him as well. Rodney Harrison, Eric Allen, John Lynch, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Fred Taylor, Clay Matthews, and Clay Matthews, in my view, should be higher on this list. I don't know how he... Clay Matthews was a very, very good linebacker. Um, Tony Baselli played only six years. I wonder how you th- I wonder how you feel about that Heinz Ward and Brian Young. That's his top 25. That's how he ranks the semifinalists. When you when you're listening to those names, how do you feel about them? I mean, where would you put Tory in that list? Yeah, again, now it becomes more dicey because only so many guys can get in uh, each year, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at the list in totality, yeah, he's probably not going to get in this year. It's a strong class. It's a very strong class, but you know, are they not going to put Peyton Manning in? No, he's in. Are they not going to put uh, 
uh, who, who you said it's a it's a bunch of guys on there. Uh, the offensive lineman. Didn't you say Baselli was on there? Yeah, and he's been there for a while, but six years. He only played six years. And that's that would be my argument. He, only, he didn't play long enough. That would be the argument for Patrick Willis, too, but Patrick Willis was so dominant that was Baselli that dominant? That would be my yes, question. Yes, he was. I mean, he yeah. was dominant, but was he that dominant to only, to only to earn a Hall of Famer spot after only six years in the NFL? Right, and that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, how do you then again uh, pick these guys based on on that list? Because you have, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys that that could be worthy, and I don't know how do you. You know, it it would be interesting to see again what the you know, the criteria and how these guys come about deciding on who actually they choose. But there are certain guys that are just technically shoe-ins. And then there are other guys that, like a Tory Holt, has proven numbers. But now if you put him up against uh, a Rod Woodson or or even maybe uh, – the DB from Pittsburgh so many years ended up last year's Rob Woodson. Mm-hmm. You could say he's worthy to go in, you know, because he hasn't been in on a couple of these times. So, yeah, man, it just starts getting dicey. You know, you you know Calvin Johnson. He's in. Mm-hmm. And, and so what, what, and I think what actually helps Reggie Wayne, even though I don't think Reggie Wayne deserves to get in before Torrey Holt. But Reggie Wayne is he, he, it would make a lot of sense for him to go when the same year Peyton Manning goes in. Exactly. So, so it's like, is that how he's going to get in? I think Probably. so. Probably. Being knock two birds out of one stone, basically, you know, have the two go in together. Most writers, because this is all about the writers right now. I mean, they they tend to have this kind of flair for the dramatic that isn't necessarily deserving. He's deserving a Hall of Fame, but you know, Tory's been waiting a while. More, we're going to talk about this more. I want to break down this list as we get closer and closer to when they could become finalists and see yes. where you'd rank. I want to go. So let's do that next. Let's do that in the preview show next show. Let's let's pick this up and let's actually yeah. rank. Let's let's discuss Tony, uh, Adam Rank's ranking, okay? And where would we rank these guys in terms of, you know, what would be your top fifteen now? Because they break them down from twenty five down to fifteen. Who is your top fifteen in terms of some in terms of your finalists? Who are going to be your finalists? And from there, I guess, come closer, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about who we think should actually get in. Okay, it's, Mike, it's time for us to go, man. Time for us yeah, to go. Man, this was a good one, a good one. Any closing thoughts? No, uh, man, just looking down the stretch, man. I'm, I'm now looking at the schedule. I'm looking at us going four and six down the stretch, and, and let's get better and get, get up in these Four and six? And I mean, four work. and two? I mean, four and two. Good and great. We <laughs> twenty games. Right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just want to put this out as well. I, I admit when I'm wrong. In our show, in our previous show, I, I had the Rams losing this one um, for the very same reasons they won. I was concerned about being able to stop that Tampa Bay front seven. I was concerned about um, Joe Nopum, and, and we gotta give product to me. Game ball goes to Joe Nopum. He held the line at left tackle. 
gave Jared Goff just enough time. And I love it when I'm wrong in situations like this. I don't ever take pride in being right or wrong. Okay, I am happy if the Rams go out there and they won. And uh, it was a good game plan by the Rams in the sense they were able to see the see what Tampa was going to give them. And they took advantage of it. So there we go. There's my, my closing thoughts. Folks, you can find us on Twitter at Talk Rams. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul and Mike one duke 23 be paying attention i know your drillers are starting place in right Only well, we're away. just conditioning and depending on what these latest uh rules that are coming down we'll find out after the break next monday how much further we'll be going or not going it better be going i mean these kids there we go these kids have been waiting long enough all right folks until midweek for the 49ers Maybe dramatic about that. 49ers. We're out of here. Take care. We're out of here. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.